Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 1. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been on, uh, well, last Wednesday anyway, moving into the plan and the purpose of God, fueled by prayer. And uh, Brother Hagin said something. He said, uh, I quoted this last week, we'll quote it again. He said, but you see, moving into that place of ministry or whatever it is, whether it's full-time ministry or pulpit ministry, or personal ministry, or whatever your place is in the body of Christ. He said, moving into that place is fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. And he said, but you see, if there's no fuel there, there's nothing to ignite. So notice the Spirit said, fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, and ignited with His glory. And so... Moving into the plan and the purpose of God, fueled by prayer. Of course, every person has a a plan, a purpose of God on their life. Every ministry does. And the things that God's asking us to move into, the things that God is asking us as a fellowship, as a group of people to move into, uh, those things, none of those things just happen. They don't just occur, all right? There's a reason that they occur. John Wesley said this, He said, it seems God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. It seems God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. And we've we've seen that over and over again in the scripture. But when we begin to look at this and understand that the Spirit said it's fueled by prayer. So prayer is the fuel. Prayer is is the, uh, not the ignition point, it is, what is, it, it is what is there to be ignited, all right? So the place that God wants to take us as a fellowship and as a church body is going to be fueled by prayer, all right? That's, that's the importance of Sunday morning prayer. That's the importance of prayer times that we have is that we are building up that fuel to move where we need to go. The Lord said to me years ago, he said, a praying church will always be a growing church. All right, your private prayer time is vital. It is important. But your corporate prayer time where the body is concerned and where the fellowship is concerned, the importance cannot be overemphasized. Because what I'm doing is I'm coming together as a body. I'm coming together as one group. And I'm providing that prayer push, if you will, to move the church the direction that God wants it to move into. Amen. So prayer is at the heart of every move of God. At at the heart of every move of God is prayer because that is the fuel. In uh, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, the Apostle Paul writing to this church at Corinth, when when you you read concerning the church at Corinth, you know very often the church at Corinth, like, like so many things, because there's so many teaching points from the mistakes they made. I mean, you know, people talk about the guy that was living in an adulterous relationship with his stepmother and, and you know, how they didn't put him out of the church. And, 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 and Paul had to write him and say, well, put him out. Well, they did. They put him out. I mean, and then Paul had to write him and say, let him back in. And so, you know, they did. They let him back in. But uh, so people talk about how they were so super spiritual, but yet they had this thing going on. And then people talk about how they had all this in the services. You know, so many people wanting to prophesy. Well, I'll be quite frank with you. I'd rather have a church of Corinth where everybody wanted to prophesy than to have a church where nobody wanted to do anything in the Spirit. Oh, it got quiet right there. Right? So, but here's what you see over and over again when you read through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you see that they were bringing their supply of prayer to the Apostle Paul's ministry, all right? 
Actually, when Paul went to Ephesus in the book of Acts and he stayed there for two years, he said that was that great and effectual door of ministry that had been opened to him. And he told the Corinthian church, it was your prayers that helped do that. Amen. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 1.11, Paul says, notice, well, let's start in verse 9 and, and we'll get our complete context. It says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. You also, helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. The Passion Translation says, as you labor together with us through prayer. So, now notice, we'll take this piece by piece. Paul is there on the front lines. He's the one facing the challenges, him and his companions. And he said, it was so tight that we despaired of life. And he said, but God did deliver us, right? God does deliver us, and we believe that God will always deliver us. But then he says this, you're helping us together you're laboring together with us in your prayers. So Paul gives this, the, 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 the same type of credit to the Corinthians who are in another city that are in their home safe, but they're praying for Paul. He's out there facing the challenges, but he says, you're helping us, you're laboring with us in your prayers. Amen. Amen. And he says, because there are so many interceding for us. Notice these phrases. Because there are so many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a precious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. So he says, because, because there are so many interceding for us. Because there are so many standing for us. Because there's so many standing for the purpose and the plan that God has for our ministry, this is why this happened. Amen. Amen. Do, do, do you see this? And so my prayers, my prayers for the church, my prayers for the ministry, my prayers for the vision are not just things that I'm saying in a religious sense. It's providing fuel for God to be able to move a ministry in a certain direction. Amen. Hallelujah. So Paul said the Corinthian church was laboring together with them through prayer. Laboring together with them through prayer. To, to my knowledge, none of them were there with him. They weren't facing the same things that he was facing. But Paul said, you're laboring. You're laboring together in prayer. You remember in the Old Testament uh, when uh, the Lord told David... He said, pursue and overtake them and, and, and take, take back everything that was stolen when they came to Ziklag, the Philistines, and had robbed it and burned it and taken his family captive and all, the all, all their stuff. And the Lord said, pursue them, overtake them, and bring it all back. Remember, there were some, there was about 200 men that just fell out. They couldn't go any further. And David said, okay, you stay here with the stuff. And him and the rest of the men pursued on. Now, when they got back, they got the stuff, and they came back, they were dividing the spoil. Everybody that went the whole way said, no, no, these guys don't get a full share because they, they were just watching the stuff. And David said, no, 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 no. Everybody gets a full share because everybody did something. Amen. Everybody, when you, when you pray and you are laboring together in prayer, God puts it down to your account Every victory that ministry gets, every faith victory that ministry gets, God puts it down to your account because you labored together with them. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I was talking to, uh, to Bill Horn today, and, and I was even talking to Rusty some about it, uh, the Sturgis outreach that Chariots just had. And uh, uh, they ministered to something like 14,000 people, 8,600 people were born again. Amen. Well, there are people that couldn't go to that outreach, that prayed for that outreach. They get credit for every one of those souls. 
Why? They were laboring together. They were laboring together. Amen. That, that's the fuel that moves things forward. So Paul's on the front line facing the challenges, but notice he's fueled by the prayers of the Corinthian church. He's fueled by the prayers of the Corinthian church. I remember one time that uh, when we were first uh, uh, working on planting Larry and Marie in uh, Clarksville, and uh, there was a lady that came to the church at at that time. And uh, uh, now... I want to say this and, and, and say it right so it doesn't sound like I'm being ugly because I'm not. She prided herself on, on being a person of prayer. But when we announced that we were going to be planting them, you know, someone overheard her in the foyer saying, well, I don't understand why they're planting them down there. You know, we got plenty for them to do here. Now, this lady was doing nothing. But here's the thing. What's the job there? Get behind that in your prayers. Get behind it in your prayers. Why? Because that's the direction God is is sending things. Amen. Whatever that may be, you get behind it in your prayers because it's fueled by prayer. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to pray. Somebody's got to advance. Somebody's got to pray. Say it out loud. Somebody has to pray. All right, because there, there's going to be those that go in our hands-on. There's going to be people that, that, that go and plant churches. There's going to be people that go and do things. Our job is pray and fuel that ministry with prayer. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Brother Hagin told a story one time of a, of a farmer that uh, his daughter was on the, uh, the mission field. Now, if I, if I remember correctly, it was in Africa. And uh, one morning he got up. And uh, he was, of course, farmer, especially way back years ago. And uh, so he's up early, you know, before the, the, the sun rises. And uh, he's got to do everything. So he's going to eat breakfast. But while he's going, he gets this burden to begin to pray. He don't know why he needs to pray, but it's just an overwhelming burden. And he prayed and and he prayed and he prayed and he entered into groanings and he entered into travail and he entered into intercession. And his wife came in and saw him in that state and she entered in and began to pray with him. And somewhere along about 1, 1 1.30, quarter to 2 in the afternoon, that burden lifted. That burden lifted. Now the cows haven't been fed, the chickens haven't been fed, nobody's been fed, right? But the burden lifted. Well, they found out sometime after that that his daughter had been stricken, and I don't remember the disease, but with a fever, and there was no cure. At that time, they had no cure for it. Amen. And she was, they, they, they despaired of her life. She was dying. But at the same time that he felt that burden of prayer lift, that fever broke. Now, that didn't just happen. God got somebody to pray. And it happened to be her father. But she began to pray. He began to pray. And, and that miracle was fueled by his prayer because somebody was standing in the gap. One time my pastor, Pastor Caldwell, he was mowing his yard. And uh, he said, all of a sudden I felt this strong urge to just pray for Charles Caps. And he said, I got up on, on the porch and sat on the porch swing. And I, uh, uh, he said, I don't remember how long I prayed, but he said, I just entered into the spirit and had this heavy burden to pray for him. And he said, I, 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 I prayed for him till the burden lifted. And he said, uh, I knew I had the victory. And a couple days later, he called him. He said, hey, what was going on? Such and such a time. Well, he was flying his plane and was experiencing some problems. There was some weather and some different things. And he was experiencing some problems and didn't know how he was going to get out of it. At the same time, the Lord was dealing with Pastor Caldwell to enter in and pray. And when he began to pray, when that burden lifted, the weather broke. It's fueled by prayer. Now, we, we hear sometimes those stories and we think, well, yeah, these people prayed and, you know we, know, we know the end result. But here's the thing. Those things are fueled by prayer. For God to do what He wants to do in the earth, He has to have people that pray. He has to have people that will fuel the work with their prayers. So Paul here 
said God, notice, did deliver us and God does deliver us and he will deliver us. Notice, but you're helping with your prayers. He gives all the credit to God for the ultimate result, but he says you're helping with your prayers. I know as a pastor, I can tell when people are praying for me and when they're not. Because there's a strength there. When, when that strength begins to ebb, people are not praying. Amen. Hallelujah. One of our, one of our jobs, when, when we travel with uh, uh, the Caldwells, we made it a point that one of our jobs is to pray for them. That when we're in the room, we're praying for them. When we're, when, we're, when we're at the media table, when we're not talking with somebody, we're praying for them. Lord, bless the service. Lord, help pastor. Give him utterance. Why? That's our job. It's to fuel that with prayer. Amen. When, when, when you come to the local church, utterance can be given that will save your life, rescue your life, change somebody's life if it's fueled by prayer. Because I want utterance to be given. And so he says here that God did deliver and God does deliver. Notice in Philippians 1. But he says, you're helping with your prayers. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. For I know that this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ. One translation says, because I know that the lavish supply of the Spirit of Jesus, the Anointed One, and your intercession for me will bring about my deliverance. Will bring about my deliverance. So he says, and your intercession for me. The King James says, through your prayers. So Paul's saying your prayers are instrumental in our victory. Because it's fueled by it. So in both those instances, if you notice, Paul gives God the glory for the victory, but he makes it clear that the prayer of these churches were instrumental as well. Because God needs somebody to pray. In, in, in what, now, now remember, prayer is not a ministry or a ministry gift. Prayer is something that every believer is supposed to do. I've had people say, well, you know, I'm an intercessor. No such thing. No such gift in the Bible. Because that would imply that that's all you do is intercede. That's not the only type of prayer that you use, and that's not the only thing you do. That's why people say, well, you know, come on Sunday morning or Monday night and uh, come to intercessory prayer. Well, how do you know it's going to be intercessory prayer? The main kind of prayer that's mentioned in the New Testament is supplication. Not intercession. It might be intercessory prayer, but it might not be. What we're doing when we pray is, and I'll show you this from the scripture, is providing a supply in the spirit. Providing a supply in the spirit. Amen. When we make statements like utterance is greatly affected by the hearer, we're not just talking about having your guard down and being ready to receive. It's that you have prayed. You have, you have made your heart ready before you ever got to service that you're going to receive everything that God wants to say to you and you're ready. You have, you have brought your supply. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? Over and over again, Paul talked to uh, throughout the New Testament. And, and uh, uh, he talked to different churches. And he said, I wanted to speak to you as adults, but I couldn't because you're still carnal. Notice the phrase, I could not. I wanted to, but I couldn't. What? There was no fuel there. Everything that's said over the pulpit is, is number one, is largely fueled by the man or the woman's prayer life behind the pulpit, but whether you receive it on the level that you could determined, is determined by how much prayer you've put into it. That I'm going to receive when I get there tonight. I'm, I'm going to pray for the speaker, and it doesn't matter who's speaking. I'm going to pray that utterance will be given to them so that I can receive. People say, well, I go to church, and you know, when, when she's preaching or he's preaching, I don't ever get anything from them. 
And I'll tell you what that person never does. They never pray for utterance from that person because they don't think they're going to get anything anyway. I can receive from anybody, not because, not, not because I have no, not, not because I'm so much better than anybody else, but because I set myself in agreement that if I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to drive there and I'm going to sit on the front row, I'm going to receive. Amen. Do you see this? Romans chapter 15. So God needs someone to pray. And folks, you know, make no mistake about it. Spiritual people pray. I mean, if you're spiritual, you pray. I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, uh, he was... <laughs> He was having some trouble with some people in his church, and uh, uh, he he uh, he he tended to talk about people a little uglier than I would. But uh, in any event, uh, he looked at me one day and he said, "Man, he he called me Phil. I didn't like it, but anyway, my friend. But he said, oh, he said the problem is people don't pray, and he was right in one sense of of that statement." Because if people are consistently acting carnal and acting fleshly, they're, not, they're probably not praying much, all right? Uh, because that, that will change. But here's the thing. Spiritual people pray. Spiritual people pray. The more spiritual you are, probably the greater you pray. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily just formulated by time spent praying, hours, minutes, whatever, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. And what I mean by that is you're not necessarily super spiritual because you pray two hours a day. Uh, you, you, you can be very carnal and just be marking time. And right on the other hand, you can pray 45 minutes a day and be very spiritual, make tremendous power available. But the point is, is that God needs somebody to pray to take that in hand and say, I'm going to fuel this, all right? Romans 15, verse 30. And uh, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, notice that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service that I have for Jerusalem may be accepted by the saints. The Roost Bible says, I beg of you, please, brethren, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of, of, of which is of the Spirit, contend vigorously with me in your prayers on my behalf to God. Contend vigorously in your prayers on my behalf to God. Everything that God has asked us to do, everything that God has asked our churches to do is strategic. It's vital. It's important. Everything. All right? Uh, uh, the Lord keeps reminding me of this. He did not place this church at almost just 13 miles from the exact geographical center of the United States for no reason. Now, again, that could be lost on someone. It's not lost on me because the way the, the Spirit showed me. He said, if you're at the exact geographical centers of somewhere, you can go anywhere from the center. If you're all the way at, at, at the, 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 the end of the West Coast, now, I'm, I understand what I mean. I, I realize people can fly and go places, but this is the way the Lord showed me. We can go anywhere. Strategic. All right? He said... He said to us concerning Little Rock, the location, he said, Little Rock is strategic. Everything that we do is of strategic importance. Amen. Do, do you understand this? Because people talk a lot about strongholds of darkness, principalities, rulers, uh, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. God is looking for churches that will be strongholds of faith and strongholds of the word and strongholds of the power of God. In those cities. That's fueled by prayer. That's fueled by prayer. We're strategic. In the day and age we live in, we're essential. Right? We're essential to the victory in people's lives. Amen. That, that's, that's fueled by prayer. 
So he said, contend vigorously with me. There's things that God wants to be picked up. There's things that God... And, and, and another thing that God keeps bringing back to me is, you know, uh, 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 just a few miles down the road in Topeka. You know, that's where even before Azusa Street, even before a lot of, of, of that happened on the West Coast, you know, in Charles Parham's Bible School, there at Stone's Folly in Topeka with a, a young girl named Agnes Osman was filled with the Holy Spirit. Parham came back to his Bible School and he was not even filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But he went on a preaching tour and had his students, he said, I want you to go through the book of Acts and determine if speaking in tongues is for us today. They came to the conclusion while he was gone that yes, it is for us today. And Agnes Oseman was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues for three days. That they had linguistic experts come from the United States and she could, she could speak languages that she had never learned and write them in the Holy Spirit. Parham believed that if you're a missionary, you don't have to take language classes, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say that's wrong, but here's the point that I'm making. It's not a coincidence that God places us in the vicinity of that area a spirit-filled church that believes in the move of God. That's part of our heritage. So you don't just pray for the success of a church. You don't just pray that people would come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. You fuel the move of the spirit by saying, and when they show up, they'll be touched by the power of God. They'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. They'll be saved. They'll be healed. They'll be set free by the power of God. I'm fueling that with my prayers. It's essential. It's critical. It's, it's, it's strategic. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says, I appeal to you, I entreat you, brethren, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love given by the Spirit, to unite with me in earnest wrestling in prayer to God on my behalf. Unite with me in earnest wrestling in prayer to God on my behalf. So again, we see the same phraseology that he used in Corinthians. He said, in Corinthians, he said, you're helping me together by your prayers. Here he says, I need you to wrestle with me on this. In prayer to God on my behalf. For what reason? Pray that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Pray that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. And that my mission of relief to Jerusalem may be acceptable and graciously received by the saints, God's people there. So when you're fueling something by prayer, Father, I thank you that as the pastor speaks today, I thank you that his words will be graciously received by all of those in the church. Newcomers will graciously receive it and turn their lives to God. What you're doing then is then there's not just one person that's believing that what they're going to say is going to be received. Now you've got a whole church that's praying that direction and everybody that comes that's new and hasn't been there, they'll receive because there's a supply for it. Amen. Glory to God. So contend vigorously. So what does that tell me? That prayer is not always just a walk in the park. There's a wrestling in prayer. Not wrestling with God, trying to get God to do something. It's contending vigorously. Charles Finney, who is one of the greatest evangelists the world's ever known, and uh, 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 of course uh, 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 is primarily on the, on the East Coast, he would go into a city. And when he would go into that city, uh, 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 a man named Father Nash would go before him. And he would take maybe three people that knew how to pray. And they'd go into the city three days before. And Nash had a list of what they needed to pray for. And they would rent a room or rent a house or whatever. And they would pray for those meetings. They would just pray. That, that was their job was to pray. And Finney said, I would, I would get such into a spirit of faith where prayer was concerned that I would go to God and I would say, you don't think I'm going to be denied, do you? Because I'm here with your word and I'm not going to be denied. And then he would say this, and you don't think we're not going to have revival, do you? Because we are. And then he would pray. 
Now, we, we hear that and we think, wow, isn't that something? His boldness with God. That's contending vigorously in prayer. So many times, especially in Word of Faith circles, we've substituted wrestling in prayer and being vigorous in prayer with confession. Confession of the Word of God is primarily, did, primarily for the point of getting faith into your heart by hearing you say, and you need to keep your words right, don't misunderstand me. And there's a place for confession in your prayer. But confession and earnest prayer are two different things. Because you can take a confession list and go over it for 45 minutes and call it prayer, but you haven't prayed. You've just confessed the Word. Now I need to follow that up with something. I need to confess the Word over my children. Father, I thank you that my children are saved. You said great would be the peace of my children. But then you need to contend vigorously for them. And I thank you, Father, that today you're sending someone into their path. Why? Because Jesus said what about about the harvesters, about the laborers? What did he say? Pray, the Lord of the... Pray, 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 the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Pray for God to send laborers. Well, just saying, well... Praise God, my kids are saved because the Bible says in Jesus' name. That's not praying that God will send laborers. <laughs> Amen? That, that's taking the lazy man's route out. Confession of the word was never intended to substitute your prayer time. It supplements it. So when you're praying for your children, you're wrestling in prayer. Those are your children. You can help fuel their salvation by praying that God will send laborers into their pathway. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Well, Lord, we, Lord, we want revival and, and we want a move of God and, and here's our scriptures and this is what we're standing on. But you've got to contend vigorously you got to contend vigorously hallelujah father i thank you that the people are coming from the north south east and the west you said in your word to tell the north and the south and the east and the west to give up their captives i thank you father that the captives are coming in the name of jesus i thank you that families are coming lord i thank you for white families i thank you for black families i thank you for asian families I thank you that our church looks like our city in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for elders. I thank you for middle-aged people. I thank you for young families. I thank you for young families with young children. I thank you for middle-aged families with uh, uh, teenage children. I thank you for singles. Father, I thank you for men and women that are excited about the things of God. Lord, I thank you that they're looking for a place where the Spirit's moving and the Word is being taught. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're that place. I'm, now I'm fueling that thing by prayer. Because when you fuel something by prayer, you don't need to fuel it with something else. Amen. You know, Charles Finney also said this. He said, if you start a fire, people will come watch it burn. Right? But what happens very often, and please don't misunderstand me, I'm, I'm not against programs and things of that nature. But listen, what, what, what we have seen over the past, I used to say quarter of a century, but it's even longer than that, 30, 35, 35 plus years, what we have seen is this tendency to move towards uh, if I, the, the, the easier that I can make it, the less pressure that I put on people, the more programs that I can get for kids and for youth. And, 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 you know, because we want to be like McDonald's. You know, McDonald's gets people in their, in their building because, you know, they have a play place and they give away a toy and the Happy Meal. And all, they don't anymore. But anyway, the point that I'm making is this, is that then that becomes the fuel. I said, then that becomes the fuel. Sometimes I want to go back and tell people something. I remember when, when all this dressing down stuff started, and I'm not against anybody, but I told people, I said, that's a trend. It's a fad. You watch, it'll start losing its effect. Now, there's still some people that do it, but I've watched, by and large, people going back 
to wearing a jacket, going back to wearing a, a collared shirt. Not that that's more anointed. I mean, dressed as good as I am, I got to be pretty anointed. But I'm joking, I'm joking. Everybody online, don't write me any letters, I won't read them. God bless you. <laughs> one guy, one guy uh, over, over the offering, he, ma- he made a comment on Facebook. Uh, 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 one, one of the people was taking the offering, I forget who it was, but he made a statement, he said, prosperity preachers are just sending people to hell. We're like, well, dear God, you know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're not fueling that. But <laughs> the point is, is then that becomes your fuel. Then when that's no longer popular or no longer trendy, I got to find another source of fuel. And what then you get are spiritually illiterate people that do not know how to contend vigorously and don't know how to wrestle in earnest prayer and they don't know how to get their answer. Amen. Do you understand that? You know, it's like this. In America, not, not, not every state, but by and large, by and large, I am told that most children graduate high school with just the basic literacy. In other words, they can barely read. Well, why? Because... The schools are overcrowded. They took God out of the schools. There's nothing to fuel. I go to school because I have to. Right? Well, how how is that ever going to change when it goes back to the reason that we do it? It's not to try to get my opinion over to the child, but to get the education into the child because I care about the child. Is that right? I remember in the fifth grade, my, my teacher at my school, Mr. Callan, he, w- he was the greatest teacher in the world. My favorite teacher ever. I also had a teacher named Mrs. Butt, but uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm not trying to be common. That was her name. She was my English teacher. And when you, when you went in, on the board was her name, Mrs. B-U-T-T. I didn't like her too much. She was a real butt. (laughs) You knew that was coming. True story, a little overemphasized. But the point is, he cared about me. He cared about, it was I getting what I needed to get out of that information. It wasn't just read the book and then take the test and pass and then forget the information. His mindset was, I don't even care if you pass the test, I want you to get the information. I want you to get it in your, in your, in your mind, in, in your heart. When people begin to contend vigorously and they're taught to wrestle in prayer and they're taught to stay with something until they get an answer, they grow spiritually, they grow on the inside, and they become strong spiritually. People have to be taught that you've got to take these things that you need, these things that you're believing God for, and you've got to take them into your prayer closet, and you've got to wrestle in prayer until you see them. You've got to stay with it until you see it. Hallelujah. One man one time uh, he was a, a Bible school student, and he was at a, uh, a, a large gathering for church growth. And the man that was speaking, he had a church of about 8,000. That's nothing to sneeze at. But uh, at the end of the, of the three-day seminar, he was asked, allowed the pastors to ask some questions. This man that was there, he said, uh, he said uh, well, I have a question. He said, what role does prayer play in church growth? And this is what the man said as he's walking off. Prayer has nothing to do with church growth as he's walking out the side door. Well, a few months later, this young man had the opportunity to drive Dr. Paul Yongi Cho around. Now, Cho uh, is still the pastor emeritus, and that time was the senior pastor of Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, only a little church of a million members. 750,000. The building 
you know, they, they had five services, 750,000 people on Sunday. And, and they had services in Russian, German, uh, African dialects, Brazilian, Spanish, English, you name it, in all these rooms. They would get 100,000 people at their prayer mountain to pray. They bought a newspaper so they could influence the city. Pretty good church. He got to drive Dr. Cho around. They were in the elevator one day. And he said, Dr. Cho, he said, this may seem like an elementary question. You probably hear it all the time. He said, can you tell me the secret to building a church like that? And Dr. Cho said, I can. He said, there are three. I can tell you. There are three. He said, please tell me. He gets out his path. He goes, number one, pray. He said, number two, pray. Number three, pray. So you got a guy of 8,000 says prayer has nothing to do with it, and you got a guy with a million that says prayer's the only thing. I'll take the guy with the million. Earnest prayer. Do, do, do you see that? And, and, and Paul said that when you do this, you're wrestling with me. In other words, there's things that have to be, there's, there's things... When people talk about strongholds over cities, very often that, that gets into this spiritual warfare. It's, it's, you take authority in prayer. Remember Ephesians 6? Paul said, we wrestle, we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Right? In other words, our foes, there it is. We wrestle not against blood, flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Notice what he says, verse 13, please. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. You go all the way to the end of, that, of, of, that, of those verses and Paul says and talks about praying in the spirit. We'll talk about it in just a moment with all supplication for all saints, right? That is part of that armor. And he says, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. This is what you're wrestling against. And how do you wrestle with them? In prayer. In prayer. Hallelujah. So if something's going to change in the city, if something's going to change in a, in a family, somebody's got to wrestle in prayer. We all hear the stories about how Grandma prayed all of her kids to Jesus. Well, she did. She wrestled until they all got saved. But isn't it funny that sometimes then subsequent generations will come along and they won't be saved. Somebody quit wrestling. What it took 50 years ago, it takes today. We may have mediums that we can get the word out on a, on, a, on a much wider level, a much easier level, but folks, it still takes what it's always taken. Hallelujah. So Paul knows what he needs to do, and he asks the church in Rome to unite with him in prayer so he can get it done. So he can get it done. When you take your prayer cues from your pastor, the, the things that we show, the things coming up, the projects then you take that project home and you wrestle with us with it. You contend just like we're contending. Sometimes things don't move as quick as they could in churches because everybody doesn't have their spiritual weight behind it. Hallelujah. Let me go over here. I had a few knowing nods over here anyway. Hallelujah. Well, this is what we're believing God for. And you don't want to ever be that person that says, well, I don't know why we're believing for that. Why do they want to do that? No, you get your spiritual weight behind it and you wrestle in prayer about it. Amen. Look at Philemon. Philemon 22. Y'all got a minute, don't you? Not going to dock me or anything? Listen, I haven't preached two hours in a long time. And I won't, for a very important reason. Hallelujah. Because then I will have preached longer than my wife. And I just cannot accept that. I cannot do that. 
Because you don't want to know why? I got one. I have won one. In 27 years of marriage, I got one. I'm not letting it go. Not the one is nice. <laughs> she said, Philip, I looked at the clock and it said 8.30. And I said, my Lord, y'all go home. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I've learned in 27 years of marriage, a smart man is a silent man. If you don't know that, just mark it down. Philemon, there's only one chapter, Philemon verse 22. He, he writes to Philemon and he says, But withal prepare also me a lodging, for I trust through your prayers I shall be given to you. He says in the Woos Bible, I'm expecting through your prayers to be granted to you. Through your prayers. The avenue of my deliverance, he's saying, is your prayers. So Paul is writing this from prison and he's saying, I trust that through the avenue of your prayers, I'm going to be delivered. We, we've read very often in the book of Acts, where it says that Herod stretched forth his hand, vexed some of the church, and killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And he took and apprehended Peter, intending to bring him out at Easter and, and execute him as well. But it says prayer was made for him unceasingly by the church. Amen. What did we lose when we lost James? What revelation never came from him that we never knew? Because it seems that the church didn't pray for him the way they prayed for Peter. That's the verbiage. That's, that's the line of thinking. But it says prayer was made for Peter unceasingly, unceasingly by the church. Well, I'm sure Peter was praying too. But who was praying with him? The church. See, this is not prayer for your leader. Lord, bless pastor. Lord, give him wisdom. Lord, help the man. That's, right, that's, that's, that's not prayer for your pastor. Right? No, no more than me saying, Lord, bless all the families in our church. Lord, prosper them. Everything their hands touch, Lord, bless them. When I pray for you, I say, Lord, bless the people of our church. Father, I pray for their marriages. I pray that the husbands would love their wives as Christ loves the church. Father, I pray that they would be considerate. I pray that they would be kind. I pray that they would be patient and long-suffering. I pray that 1 Corinthians 13 would be their hallmark in their lives. Father, I pray for the wives of our church. I pray, Father, that they would be kind and considerate and courteous. I pray that they would be the spiritual anchor in their home. I pray, Father, that they would raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of God. Father, I thank you that they are women filled with the Holy Spirit and on fire for God. I just bless them. I mean, that's good. You want to be blessed. But you need that spiritual aspect of it. Father, I thank you for the children in our church. I thank you that they have an ear for the things of God. I thank you that at an early age their hearts are turned to God. I thank you that their eyes are open so they can clearly see at a young age that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life and they turn their hearts to Him and make Him their Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Why? Because now I'm contending with you in prayer. Amen? Am I helping you at all? So all of these scriptures point out the fact that Paul knew the unmeasurable value of the prayers of God's people. Over and over again, he said, God delivered us, but you helped with your prayers. You helped with your prayers. You helped with your prayers. Every soul that's saved because of the television ministry or the live stream or whatever else we put out there, Roku channel, YouTube, whatever it is, every soul that's saved, you get credit for it because you're helping supply it. Amen. Amen. I got an email just the other day from Pastor uh, James Mison in, in the Philippines. I met him years ago, uh, over 20 years ago now, well, when, I, when I was in the Philippines. Tony and I went to the Philippines. Tony Mendez, uh, in, uh, I believe it was 99 is when we went. But in any event, uh, I met him there and he's been with faith builders to some extent ever since then. 
and he sent me an email the other day and said, I've got all these other pastors that want to join up and be a part of Faith Builders, and he's submitting their names. Well, you help do that because we are Faith Builders International. We have an international voice. So those people watch on Facebook. They watch on live stream, right? They can't get the television broadcast, but they're probably watching us right now. And you help do that wrestling in your prayer. So you have a voice in General Santos City, Philippines. You have a voice in Accra, Ghana. You have a choice and a voice in Mexico. You have a voice in Ecuador. Your voice is being heard. I might be the one preaching, but your voice is being heard. Glory to God. So when we have an outreach, when we have a soul winning outreach, whatever it may be, if you can't be there or that's or, or whatever, if, if you're not comfortable with that, then pray. The hour that we're going to have that outreach, the hours that we're going to have it, commit yourself to pray for that. Why? Because then those that go have a fuel. They have a fuel to reach people with the gospel. Amen. Let me hurry. Ephesians 6. That's why when the Lord said a youth movement was coming, and He said, don't despise, He said, he said three different things. He said, don't despise their dress, don't despise their music, and don't despise their attitude. You know how old people are. Attitude of them kids today. I know, it's just what people thought about you when you were that age. They thought you were a wonky donkey running around that <laughs> roller skating rink. Ah, freak out. <laughs> right? Y'all remember. I see all y'all remember. Amy remembers. Because <laughs> it is a flashback right there. Flower in the hair, white bell bottoms. <laughs> right? And you always got at the end of the whip. Anybody remember the whip? You know, you're at, you're at, Heather remembers, you're at the end. Don't ever get at the end. Don't be dumb. Don't get at the end. Because they're going to crack the whip. They're going to come around the corner and you're going to go, oh, it's, it's over. I mean, disco was of the devil. It's death. Bell bottoms causing people to sin. Right? Long hair. Bunch of sissy boys coming to church. Heard it all. Right? But there was a group that was fueling things by prayer in the days of the Jesus movement, and they baptized hundreds of thousands in the Pacific Ocean because somebody was fueling it by prayer. So when God says a youth movement is coming, you take that into your prayer time, and you get behind it. I said you get behind it. Because I want to fuel it by prayer. And then you make it easier for everybody that works in that department. You make it easier for the kids to come to Jesus. You make it more inviting and more suitable. And you may not, they may not see everything in, 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 in terms of... of, 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 of uh, uh, the way things are set up, but they show up and something says, I belong here. Because you've laid out the welcome mat in the Spirit. I'm going to say something real quick. Kids are smart. Students are smart. They can spot a phony in a minute. They can spot a phony in a minute. And that bothers a lot of people. Because the generation we're living in, they want They want reality. I will move right along. Well, you know, these millennials, they just don't want God. They, they, they do too. Somebody's got to fuel it by prayer. Will you please quit believing the lie? Can I, can I tell you something? The other day, I was going through YouTube. I, now, I say this just so you can understand. I don't watch the news. Now, if you do, that's your business. I don't. I, I can stand before God and raise my hand and say, I never watch the news, ever. I never watch it. I don't care. 
I, I know what the, the, the book says. I got things to do. But I saw a blurb on YouTube. You know how if you go by a, a certain thing, it'll, you know, it's got the, the title there. And it said, COVID-19 cases hit 5 million in America. When I read that right here, I heard these words. Not here, not, not a voice. I heard right here. How many people are in America? And I heard, find out. So I found out. There are 311 million people in America. But, and, the, and the Lord said this to me. He said, now divide 5 million by 311 million and tell me what the percentage is. You know what the percentage is? 1.49%. So 1.49% of people in America have tested positive for the coronavirus. 1.49%. Now they, they put that out there to make it look real bad. How many of that 1.49% tested positive and are fine? If you start talking about the number that lost their life because of complications that that was a part of, the number goes all much lower. You cannot find anybody hardly that COVID killed because it's primarily underlying health issues. Now, I'm not negating the fact that people have suffered. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to explain to you is think about that. If, if you listen to the lie, the lip of deceit, dear God, everything's falling apart. 1.49%. Oh, our healthcare system's going to be overwhelmed. It's never been overwhelmed. When people don't pray, there's no fuel for God to show them anything. You've got to not believe the lie. You've got to listen to the spirit of truth. I said you have to listen to the spirit of truth. I saw something the other day. They said the CDC has come out with new guidelines that said that this, 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 this virus is not nearly as easy uh, uh, transferred by touch as they originally thought. Well, the Lord told me months ago, this virus is weak and getting weaker. That's what I have stood on. When God tells you something, you take that into prayer. I never go to God and tell Him the problems that somebody told me they saw on the news. What did you tell me? Back in, in, in uh, uh, March, Brother Copeland said something. He's taken a lot of fire for it. But I'm partners with Brother Copeland, so if you don't like him, we got a problem. He said this. He said, this disease, is what he called it, this virus will be over much quicker than anybody thinks because Christians praying have overwhelmed it. He said, I am still Lord over these United States. And I'll take care of my people. He, got, he came under so much fire for that. I ask myself, I keep that in my mouth. I ask myself, why did we see a slow progression where that's concerned? Because people started looking at the lying numbers and quit believing what God said. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. That's what he said. That's what we believe. You are here tonight healthy. You are here tonight untouched by the curse and untouched by the plague because you believe something bigger than the people in the world believe. Your job is blessing you and blessing you and blessing you. I've got people in here that have started their own business in the middle of a pandemic and God's blessing them over and above anything they ever could have been blessed by. Why? Because they believe the word of the Lord and not the lip of the lie. I won't do it. I will not believe the lie. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, but pastor, you just... Listen, I, we was talking to a guy the other night. I'm not off prayer. I got to be done because it's 809. <laughs> Woo! I did have a 10-minute offering, though, so... 
And they were talking about something, talking about doing something publicly in the church. And this person made a statement. They said, I'm, we are just scared to death that we're going to catch that virus. And I told the person that was relaying that to me, I said, tell them to stay home. You better stay home. Folks, you hear me when I say this. I'm not telling you that people have not, there haven't been people that suffered. That's not what I'm telling you. I am not making light of that. I'm trying to tell you something. That the enemy always has his hand in things, and anything that brings fear, anything that brings anxiety, it's of the devil. Truth never brings fear. It always brings victory. Lies bring fear. And Jesus said in John chapter 8 that when the devil lies, he makes it up out of his own lying nature. Now, anything that's stealing, killing, and destroying is the devil. You know that, and I know that. I'm not telling you not to do something, or I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you whatever. Sit as far away from people as you want. Wash your hands as many times as you want. I'm not saying that's wrong and that you shouldn't do it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is do it with a mind on what the Word of God says and not on what the lie says. 1.49%. Dave is here tonight, and we were talking one time. Uh, I, I got the, the, the governor's, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, what? Order. Yeah, that one time. And they said, we're doing this because of this number of people in Kansas and, and, and this number. I, I asked myself, and so I found out how many counties are in Kansas. And I added up the counties, put the number of cases and the number of people that had died. It's less than 1%. And Dave did the math, and Dave, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I believe it was this. It was like statewide, it was like 0.99%. I'm not trying to comfort you with numbers. I'm saying when you pray, you can't take CNN or Fox into your prayer time and tell God what they're saying. Lord, what did you say? I don't respect that virus. I don't honor it, and I'm not afraid of it. I will not give it my respect. It's of the devil. It's from hell. And anything from hell, I don't respect. I'm not foolish, but I don't respect it. I don't talk about it in terms that it can hurt me. It can't hurt me. It is impossible for that virus to come on me because every diseased German virus that touches my body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And when you're that that is part of that wrestling in prayer. Not just Lord protect us. Oh God, in this trying time. Oh Jesus, in these uncertain days. Lord, this time of trouble. Oh, I pray that you would. My dear God. Amen. My family is kept. My churches are kept. My people are kept. I am kept by the power of God. The Lord is my keeper. He doesn't slumber or sleep. If none of this caught him off guard, then he is my hiding place. He is my high tower. He is my rock. I will hide myself in him and I won't be touched. Amen. And then, and then you wrestle and you contend vigorously in prayer for that. Amen. Because mark my words, I'm going to close with this. Mark my words. As November gets closer, they're just going to talk about how much worse it is. You mark it down. Because they're doing every... Listen, this thing, this election that's coming up in November, you hear me? This is, this is a fight for the soul of our country. It's a fight for the soul of our country. And I'm not talking partisan politics. I'm telling you that it's a fight for the soul of our country. And everybody that can needs to be registered to vote. If you don't register to vote and you don't go cast your ballot, you are sinning. You are sinning against God. Because you have a responsibility to stand up and say, I am part of the righteous majority and I'm going to do the right thing. 
And I'm not, I'm not going to let 61 million babies who have lost their life to abortion be put to my account. This fight is in our generation. Do you hear me? This fight is in our generation. There's a fight of faith going on in our generation. We have to answer the bell. We have to. People say, well, I don't like these days. They're on us. These days are here. There's nothing we can do about it. We got to fight the good fight of faith. We got to stand up with all of those men and women that have given their lives in the Hebrews Hall of Fame of chapter 11. And we got to say, I will not be ashamed to stand in your presence when I come to heaven. I will do my part in the generation that God's called me to. Amen. We're going to make a difference. Let's stand up, everybody. Praise God. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, God's good to us. Amen.